Welcome. You're listening to a Mr. Thrive Media production. The world can be a fun, sexy, kinky place. And that can be achieved when everyone is communicating and practicing proper etiquette. Welcome to Kinkyville is exactly about that. Emily Blake is here on the show to promote her Kickstarter campaign to fund this animated series that will be premiering on YouTube. This exciting production is going to act as the go-to place to learn about kink and all subjects under the wide umbrella. I had the opportunity not just to learn about her project, but to also share some personal stuff about who I am and who she is. I'll forever cherish that bond that we now have and invite you to be vulnerable with us and be a part of the conversation. Be sure to go on welcometokinkyville.com to donate to the Kickstarter campaign. All right. Enjoy the show, everyone. You have stumbled upon the Mr. Thrive Podcast, where together we discover emerging artist, show creator and writer, Emily Blake. Emily, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here today. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, of course. We're going to be talking about a subject that we've lightly brushed up upon in the show, which is the subject of kink. We're also here to promote your show, Welcome to Kinkyville. This is a little bit of a fundraiser opportunity as well, and we're going to have that opportunity, that link in the show notes of this podcast. I'm very excited about that. We're going to talk a lot about that and the world of kink. Uh, Mom, Dad, if you're listening, please turn this episode off. I'm going to get very, very real on this episode. You do not want to hear about this part of my life. Please, this is your chance to turn it off. Without further ado, Emily, let's do the season three warm-up trivia. Are you feeling good about this? Uh, Okay. I did not prepare. Listen, no one ever prepares for trivia. This is going to be a fun time. I'm going to ask you some fun questions that I looked up on the internet about a certain (laughs) subject that you know a lot about. In this case, it is kink. Okay? You ready? Uh, Okay. All right. All right. Question one. In Fifty Shades of Grey, what was the inconsistent detail that critics pointed out that was added throughout the movie? It is A, sweat, B, smeared makeup, C, slash marks, or D, pubic hair? Ew. No, what? Pubic hair? Anyway. All right. Um, uh, uh, uh I don't know. Slash marks? Incorrect. It was actually pubic hair. I didn't know what that is. It was pubic hair. It was pubic hair? Yeah. So Jesus Christ, people. What are you doing? Why are you looking at pubic hair? I know. I know. Apparently in post-production, they added like inconsistently (laughs) in the middle of very like scandalous scenes, pubic hair. And it was like so unnecessary. Of all the things to fixate on with that movie, pubic hair would not be my first choice. But, you know, that's the internet. All right. Question two. What are BDSM encounters called? A, a fun time. B, scenes. D- C, quenches. Or D, dollops. They are called scenes. They are called scenes. Correct. Excellent. You're killing this. You're killing this. You're doing great. Yeah, doing great. All right. 50% so far. 50%. Uh, the final question. What are sure ways to make BDSM encounters as safe as possible? Is it A, ask for consent, B, have safe words, C, have a safety monitor on duty, or D, of the above? I mean, 
all of the above. I feel like C is a bit overkill, but you could do all of the above. Right. This was this was off this this was found off of, off an article off of like kink.com or something where we were just okay, talking about right. like the safe oh, ways. Yeah. yeah. But oh, it if was, you were going to kink.com, they were probably talking about porn, but okay. No, 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 no. But there was an article from kink.com okay, about okay, okay. all the, the like the, the three kink. major com. ways. There were actually five other there were like five other yeah, ways to like yeah. make sure it's absolutely safe. Yeah, um, yeah. But you so, should always have safe words. I'm very um, and of course consent. Those are very very important. Absolutely. What's the funniest safe word you've ever had? Uh, I've never actually had the safe word because my partner and I communicate. I, I anyway. But uh, mine is cricket. cricket. I've never had to use it. I have had to use yellow, which is slow down. But I've never had to actually safe word. Okay. I think, I've I think only ever had are, the one. I think those are very constructive. For me, I like to to mess with uh, threshold a little bit. So I have to mm-hmm. say. Tickle pickle three times. <laughs> nice. And once I get to the third time, that's when they that's when I ask the partner to stop. So that's okay, how okay. that kind of works. So again, right. I'm getting very revealing on this show. So mom, yeah, yeah. dad, if you did not listen to the first warning, you were warned, okay? I'm gonna talk about things. Turn off the episode right now, okay? Um because <laughs> they listen to my show. I have to yeah. I have to put that out there. Anyone else who wants to view me in that vanilla state, you know, they don't want the image of me just ruined. Like, just turn <laughs> off the episode, okay? But but I'm going to get very revealing, okay? I think this is going to be awesome. a good, intimate experience. I'm very excited to be real. I hope so. Yeah, this is going to be exciting. Um, and, and by the way, Emily, one of my favorite things about you, you know, you and I met on uh, Lifetime TV movies. A I was Lifetime a, movie. Yeah. We, I was a production assistant back in the day, back in my early days. You were the script supervisor, one of the mm-hmm. toughest jobs on that set. And one of the things I always admired about your presence that I always felt very open and welcoming. I think that's why I feel so comfortable revealing things like that and talking so openly about this. Cool. So. I'm glad to hear it. That's one of my big missions is I, I like to get people into a place where they feel comfortable talking to me about stuff they don't like to talk about to other people. Why is that? Why Why did that start? I don't know. I feel like it's a. I feel like it's a. It's a way. You know. I grew. I, we're getting real already there. But um, I think in my household, I was the kid who was sort of expected to be the buffer between people, who was expected to be the one to like save everybody and make everybody okay and 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 fix problems. And I think as an adult, that has had some toxic consequences. But I think uh, um, I have now sort of developed it into a into a way that I can channel that energy of needing to be helpful by just listening to people talk about, you know, things that, that like, I, I love it when people shred that shame when they're like, Oh wow. I just, I felt so weird about this thing. And now I'm after talking to you, I don't feel so bad about it. And that, that feeds the need in me to be needed, you know, and to be like helpful. And so I, yeah, it's very selfish. I love that. And I also love that term, shred that shame. That was great. I love that. I, can't rid of it. I just, it's catchy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm copywriting it. Okay. No, I'm All kidding. right. Okay. But <laughs> um, no, but I got to say, no, I just, I really admire your, you know, supportive kind of healer approach to different social dynamics. And there were a lot of times on, as a production assistant, where I just didn't feel like I had the greatest self esteem. Because yeah, well, you you're know. a PA on a Lifetime movie, and I saw how you were treated, and it wasn't always good by everybody. Yeah, set, so. yeah, you know, the, uh, shout out to the grips on that show. Anyway, yeah, yeah. for being yeah. just complete assholes. Anyway, <laughs> I 
I I'm a little I'm a little like anti grip. I I mean grips are important, but I'm a little anti grip. Okay, and it's just because of those Lifetime TV movies. Well, on any set, grips are generally the crabbiest group of people. As a right. general, I love grips; they're fantastic. But like, they're they're well, they're the ones who get there early and stay late, so they're always a little bit grabby. Right, right, right. It, That's what he yeah. is. So yeah. it's funny though. I I mean I hear I hear shit talking from like from, like all these other departments. Shit talking all these other departments. There's no one yeah. department that's like like safe from tyranny, yeah. you know? Yeah. You meet the you meet the the assistant directors who hate the sound mixers. You <laughs> you know, you you meet the <laughs> I uh, my roommate is a producer and he hates the art department, you know. Oh you I meet love the, the art department. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I love the art department too. I think that in another life I probably was in the art department, honestly. Mm. Um so uh, yeah, I, uh, I I find that I find just kind of the the shade thrown at one another just absolutely yeah. hysterical. As a script supervisor, the only band in my existence is people who don't communicate. Right. Just tell me what's happening, and then I'm happy. That's right. Now, as a script supervisor, someone who doesn't know much about the film industry might mistake that role for someone who's in pre-production. But no, you're very much in production. Can you go and elaborate on what a script supervisor does? Uh, I, oh, it's a lot of things. Uh, usually when people ask me that, I just link them to the Wikipedia page. Um, so, uh, basically I'm, I'm sitting right next, if you've ever seen a movie where there's some lady with a clipboard or a binder sitting next to the director, that's me. Um, I am, uh, watching for continuity. I'm taking notes. Basically the number one job I have is to make sure the actors say the lines in the script correctly, hence the title. Um, so if an actor says a line and it's, it's way far from what they were supposed to say, I will correct them. Or if they call for a line, I will frequently be the one to holler it out. Um, but I'm also in charge of making sure the editor knows my second job is to make sure the editor knows what happened. So I am writing notes. I'm telling them everything they need to know to find the footage, uh, that, that they're looking for. If anything weird happened during a take, whatever, I'm looking for continuity errors. I'm helping the director. I'm answering questions for everybody on set. I'm anticipating problems. Um, you know, it's just, I basically, I'm friends with everybody. And if I'm not, then I'm probably gonna have a hard time doing my job. That's right. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's well said. I think that one of the things that you made me realize being on different productions with you is that the script supervisor has a certain level of willpower that no one else asks for. You know, the director has a certain creative willpower, but you have a certain technical, intuitive willpower that is required for the job that makes you so good at what you do. Um, yeah. yeah, of course. No, so I've always admired I, I think that. My, I'm at my happiest when, like, I, I feel really good about myself some days when I'm taking notes, hollering lines out to set. I'm, I'm taking a photo and then someone will come up and ask me a question and I will answer their question and keep going. And then like, we'll cut and I'll just look around and be like, did anybody see that? I was just awesome right now, but nobody sees it. Cause most of what's happening is like in your head or on a tiny screen, you know, you're sitting in front of your computer. So most people don't know it, but some days I'll be like, I just did awesome. Yeah. Can someone acknowledge my badassery, yeah, exactly, please? Exactly. Yeah. Actually, on that movie that we did, there was a day like that where I got new a new scene like five minutes before we rolled on it. And I was like furiously putting it into the script so I could line it. And I was just doing all these other and people were asking me questions and I was doing these things. and I was doing it all on a sidewalk. And then when we were done, I was just like, yeah. Yeah. And I just randomly yelled out and people were looking at me like I was insane. And I was just like, I just did awesome, everybody. I just think you should know that. I love that. I absolutely love yeah. that. I, I had moments like that when I was uh, pursuing audio mixing and sound mixing. Uh, that was after the Lifetime TV movies. I started working on different productions. And there were these moments where I was like, okay, I, I, didn't, I hadn't ever 
personally done this, but knowing the technical theory that I had, I was able to kind of navigate and, and troubleshoot certain issues on a technical level. And when I figured that out, uh, whether it was like hiding the microphone in a certain way or getting rid of mm-hmm. certain sounds that we didn't want there or simply just knowing how to use a technology that was given to me on the spot, uh, yeah. I was like, yes, I'm a fucking genius. You know, it felt really good. <laughs> but enough talking shop. Let's talk about Welcome to Kinkyville. It's an animated TV series. What was the inspiration yes. for this? How did it even begin? Um, I started, you know, like I said, I like to be helpful. Um, and so I started, uh, an- I answer a lot of questions online from people in kinky groups um, who are new. So people would come into these kink groups that I'm in and frequently it was the same question over and over again. It was especially with kink kind of going, or BDSM specifically, going a little mainstream thanks to Fifty Shades, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, that looks like a thing I'd like to do. And 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 Fifty Shades is a bit problematic, but what it did do was introduce a lot of people to something that, that you know, to feel a little less shamed about it and and to sort of find this part, this this thing in themselves. But the problem is a lot of people, it encouraged them to get into BDSM without any knowledge of how to do it. And um, they're like, in polyamory, there's a book called The Ethical Slut. And that is the book you read if you're becoming, if you're new to polyamory. Everyone will tell you to read that book right off the bat. There's a couple other good books, but The Ethical Slut is the like polyamory go-to. There is nothing like that for kink or BDSM. There, is, there are different sources all over the place, and I've listened to a lot of them or read or whatever, but there's no like, no, no one group will go, this is the source. So people would come into these groups and like you'd see someone say, well, I'm a sub and, you know, my dom says, you know, it's okay. Like I have to do whatever he says and I don't really like it when he spits in my mouth, but you know, he says I have to do it. So I guess I'll do it. I don't know. Is that, is that okay? And you'd just be like, no, that's not how this works. And you'd see that same question over and over again, or versions of it where people were in these abusive situations, but because that's what they thought BDSM was, they think it's abuse. And you see that perpetuated everywhere. You see, you do see you abusers, you see abusers taking advantage of it. And you see people go into what's called some sub frenzy where you're, you've just discovered this new thing about yourself that you want to be a submissive and all you want is someone to dominate you and it leaves you open to a lot of abuse. And I I kept giving the same answers over and over again and the same advice and getting madder and madder that there's no like there's no source out there that is explaining this to people that is that is that's not true. There are sources. I don't want to discount all the people who've come before me who've done the research and do an amazing job. I can name a bunch off the top of my head who are fantastic. But um but there there isn't that one unifying source for new kinksters. You have to hunt it down. Um so I was like Okay, so that's what I was thinking initially. However, that's that's not that's like around the bend of how I got here. I was writing a screenplay about a polyamorous triad or not triad, a polyamorous V actually, which is when like there's one person and he has in this case had two girlfriends. So the girlfriends don't date each other. Anyway, which is my life. I'm I'm part of a relationship like that. Um and uh, I was writing the story and I couldn't crack it and I couldn't crack it and I couldn't crack it. It just wasn't working. And I thought, well, then we need a frame. What if uh, the guy and his girlfriend do a show together called How to Be Kinky. And it's a YouTube show and they just do it. And the more I started writing the YouTube show in in the script, the less I cared about the script and the more I wanted to do that. And then I went to see a visit with a producer friend of mine and um, she was like, no, you can make this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, a little YouTube show. And she was like, no, no, you're, you don't understand me. You can make this like for real, for real. 
And that's when I started thinking about it seriously. And then the pandemic hit. And then I thought, well, what if we go animated since we can't shoot live action? Now, I've never done animation. I did not know how long that shit takes. I did not know that it's just as expensive as shooting live action. So I just dove in. But I actually am really glad that and because uh, I thought we'd be shooting by now or we'd be doing it by now. Um, instead, we're about to launch our own crowdfund. Uh, a year later, more than a year later. Um, and I, uh, but I'm glad we went to animation because of what animation is offering us with this show. It's, it's giving us an opportunity to do stuff we wouldn't have been able to do. But yeah, it's a roundabout way of getting here. So I love that story. There's a lot there. Um, I think for me, I think the part that really resonates with me is the fact that you're talking about how in certain kinks, and I'm not even just thinking of certain kinks, but in any pl- any situation, you need information from a certain category of life. You, you have a go-to thing. Like, for example, in business, I think the go-to book that a lot of people go to is probably Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, not talking about the go-to things in life, uh, shoes, it's Nike. Fast food, it's McDonald's, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having this go-to thing that you go to as a, as a frame of reference, as the thing that adds context to something is kind of the dream goal. And so I, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that Welcome to Kinkyville can absolutely be that, especially when people are able to donate to the crowdfunding campaign that is now live. If you go to the link in the show notes of this episode, you'll see that there is an opportunity to make this the thing that helps educate the world and make the world a better place, a much kinkier place. And if you have yeah. interest in that, you definitely should partake in that as we want everyone to live a happy healthy, sexy life. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that those are those are some really good key points right there. Hey, folks, we're going to take a quick break. And before we do that, I want to emphasize the fact that because of this pandemic, Mr. Thrive Media realized that we need to do a better job at supporting small business wherever we can. So enjoy. Hey, Thrivers, do you hear a certain difference in quality? That's because this podcast quality is made possible by Squadcast. Virtual recordings have become easier than ever with Squadcast Studio-quality SaaS remote recording platform. This cloud-based technology secures your files and minimizes post-production for all podcast producers. And I should know, because I am one. Heighten the experience of your podcast by clicking the link in the show notes below. This podcast is a Mr. Thrive Media production. Mr. Thrive Media builds communities through its content marketing and networking events. During this pandemic, our dedicated team commits to the value of connection by producing podcast content while extending a helping hand towards artists and entertainment professionals. Mr. Thrive Media puts its values first by supporting small businesses and empowering emerging artists. For more information, visit www.mrthrive.com. That's mrthrive.com. I, I can tell you right now, though, in terms of celebrity, uh, you know, mishaps that, you know, could have been avoided, right? You have Trevor Bauer in the Los Angeles Dodgers. Did you hear about this? No, I don't uh, follow sports like that. I typically don't follow sports either. But so I haven't personally done research on this. This is this is what I've heard from, you know, the news and from friends and from kind of just general gossip discussion that you have with friends. But the story goes that uh, there was a girl who who was in connection with this uh, famous pitcher currently on the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? And they were meeting on a regular basis to have incredibly rough, kinky sex. And what happened was the girl had consensually asked Trevor Bauer to hit her. And so 
Trevor Bauer did in one instance, which knocked the girl unconscious eventually. The moment that she fell unconscious, that's when everything should have stopped. However, it didn't. Trevor Bauer kept on going, and now he has rape charges against him. And so you have this situation uh, where, you know, there are things that without context, like the, the, the physical, uh, the physical impact play that you're talking about, um, Trevor Bauer hitting the girl. Okay. So she did in that moment consensually ask for it, but the moment that she was unconscious was a, a learning moment. It was it was the moment where he should have stepped stepped, stepped aside and go. Yeah, wow, if you if you cannot physically can the moment you can no longer consent, play stops. Play stops exactly. The scene stops. Uh, there was this really great animation. Um, tell me if you've seen this. It was about consent. It wasn't about BDSM. It was just about consent. It was with, with uh, stick figures and a really great, pleasant British uh, accent. Hmm. This narrator with a British accent was explaining a great metaphor for consent and how to understand it. Right. So mm-hmm. the, the, the metaphor only told perfectly by, by a British person was uh, consent can be like tea, right? Mm-hmm. I've heard this. I, have, I didn't hear it was a video. I saw it as like a drawing. But, oh, okay. okay. Well, I got to show it to you, okay? Well, consent okay. is like tea, right? And the British narrator goes on to say that if you offer someone tea and they are awake and they are present and they say, yes, I would like tea, then you give them the tea. However, let's say you are offered tea but the recipient is really drunk in that moment. Do you think that they are really in the conscious state to accept that tea? No, of course not. And thus you should not give them the tea, right? Let's imagine now if that person was asleep. Do you give someone tea when they are asleep? No. And they even made a funny part of the animation trying to pour tea someone's down someone's throat while they're sleeping. Of course, that's impossible to happen. That just won't work, right? So... If you're, it's very simple. Emily, you said it perfectly. If you just are not in a conscious state and you're not inebriated, you can't be consensual. It's very simple. I will say there's one exception that I can think of, and I'm sure people out there are screaming at me that there are other exceptions, but uh, some people, some people have a fetish for having sex like while they're asleep. There is a thing where you can take a bunch of sleeping pills and you get knocked out and someone has sex with you, but that kind of thing has to be well negotiated ahead of time you know you have to really be clear you have to be really trusting of that person that is not a thing you should do with with someone you don't know very well that's something you do with a very trusting partner um and even then it's risky you know it's it's, you you've got to be very very sure this is what the person wants but there are people who do that and it is consensual but yeah that's the exception you know most of the time i mean if you get choked out during a scene i can't think of a good dom who would keep going that's dangerous. It's dangerous to choke somebody out in the first place. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've, first of all, I've never heard of that kink. But you, you did mm-hmm. use a word there that we should touch up upon. Can you talk to me about what negotiating is? Mm. I mean, it, you know, that's the one thing Fifty Shades got right um, that they had this negotiation. Now, I think there's this idea that kinky people get together especially in BDSM, get together and have these signed contracts. And some people do. But I would say probably more often than not, it's just a verbal discussion. It's just a, hey, here are my hard limits, which are things I absolutely will not do. Here are my soft limits, which are things I don't want to do now. But maybe with the discussion, maybe once I trust you, maybe in the future I might consider doing them. And then there's the things you're really into. 
Um, and that's all the stuff that you negotiate because it's it, it's not one it's not all one sided. I mean, it's the the sub if or the top, I should say top or bottom. The difference is uh, a top is a person who is who is the top in the scene, and the bottom is obviously the person who is bottoming the scene. As averse to a dom, which is a more long term relationship, and a sub, which is a long term relationship. So anyone can top or bottom in any scene, but dom and sub is more relationship oriented. It's more of a, a an agreement that is long standing most of the time. Um, pretty much everything I say, there's exceptions. Um, but uh, if you are uh, topping a scene, you have the right to say, hey, I'm not into that. And if you're bottoming a scene, you also have the right to say, hey, I'm not into that. There's no matter what it is. You know, I'm not into feet. Not my thing. If I meet a guy with a foot fetish, I'm going to be like, sorry, not going to happen. You know, I don't care how much you want it. Right. No. Right. And so in that situation, once both parties agree, speaking like a lawyer all of a sudden, once both parties agree, is it just a handshake deal and then you walk into the bedroom together? Or I mean, it, it depends. Everybody's different. So sometimes it's, sometimes it's a written contract. Sometimes it's a discussion you have right before you go into the bedroom. You should always be having this discussion close on, no matter what. Close on, do not be having sex, and then suddenly go, hey, I say this, I did this the other day. Hey, do you like to be choked while you're reaching for their neck? Let's not do that. Let's, uh, let's mm-hmm. do that, you know, close on. But sometimes people discuss it over lunch, you know, on their first, on a, not, well, sometimes on a first date. But sometimes people discuss it on over lunch, and then they'll have their scene like the following day. Um, right. it, just, it just completely depends on who you are, what your dynamic is what your plans are, how much you trust each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, you know, and here's a personal story of mine. I realized from what you were just saying, I've actually negotiated once in my life, um, which was uh, now that you say it, I, I just realized that this thing I did Mm. do without fully knowing the terminology. Right. Um, so there was, there was one night, right. Where, um, I happened to, there was a crossover party. I was in a fraternity in college. And there was a crossover party where our pledges became brothers. And the night before that, by the way, uh, my private bedroom door had been knocked out of its sockets because oh, me wow. and my roommate were stupidly wrestling on the floor and we knocked off over our door. So I suddenly had no privacy and we had a bunch of guests over at my place, right? And I remember I received a text message from this girl that was my friend with benefit. You know, we just were having fun in college, right? Um, but instead of receiving the text message from her, it was her friend texting from her phone to me saying that she wanted to have fun that night. Oh. And at first I didn't reply because I was like, this is a prank. I'm not going to say anything. And then eventually the person I was seeing came on and said, hey, sorry about that. My friend did take my phone. But yes, we're down for a threesome. Can we come over tonight? Nice. And I said... I can't because I don't have any privacy and we have a bunch of gross brothers partying in the other room right now. Can I come over there? And they said, no, we don't have a private room to to play in. And I said, okay, got it. So what we all decided in the group chat later on was to meet in person over lunch, just like you said, right? So we met in person for lunch and what happened was over, over the lunch table while we're eating our meals, uh, I'm, you know, we're getting to know each other. And then we go into uh, the terms, right? And again, not even knowing that this was negotiating. Just like, this was me just getting acquainted. Didn't know anything about uh, proper kink etiquette at that point, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So what ended up happening was we're talking and uh, she she said to me, "Um, yeah, so so we're not 
at all bisexual. In fact, we're very heterosexual. The only time we would ever engage in anything lesbian would be when we're drunk. And I'm like, um, okay, well, then why are you doing it? And she just said, because we have, and it's kind of fun. I'm like, okay, I understand. And then we keep on talking a little bit more. And uh, they told me that the night that they have the threesome, they want to get really drunk, like mm. near blackout drunk. Not completely blackout drunk, but they want to get near like near blackout. And I, I was um, really confused by that. And I was like, wait, so how are you going to enjoy the experience of it? And yeah. they said, we, we just will. And that wasn't an answer to me. Yeah. And I'm like, and you, you have know every, and you'd have every right to put your foot down about that. I know plenty right. of doms will not have a scene if the sub is drunk. Right. You're right. Exactly. So I just did not want to enter that scene. It seemed like a situation that could get out of control really easily. Um, mm-hmm. nothing happened. I think we, I think we left with the impression that maybe it would happen one day. Um, just, we just have to wait for the day they get wine drunk. And that's like, um, yeah. Mm, okay. It just didn't sit right with me, you know? So I'm yeah. glad I never engaged and I'm glad nothing ever happened. Still sad. I haven't had a threesome yet, but that's okay. <laughs> you will. You will. It'll Thanks, happen. Emily. Appreciate that. I'm going to man This I is mean- me manifesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, alcohol is because I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a couple of glasses to loosen you up. I totally understand that. But there's also this, there, there's also a weird thing about that where it's just like, you know, it's, it's okay if you want to fool around with a girl. You don't, you don't have to pretend it's something, you know, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to speak for those girls, but I think um, because there's sexuality is a spectrum. You can be, I mean, there's heteroflexible, which means, which is what I identify as, is that like, I'm generally into men, but you know, hey, if, there's a woman and wants to get involved. I'm okay, sure. I'm not gonna pursue it, but um, you know, I'm not gonna say no either. So that that's okay. You don't have to get drunk. You can just you know have sex with a woman and see how it goes. Exactly. So so wait though. But to to parallel this. So this is what I'm wondering. Like as we were talking, right? You talked about earlier a kink where someone could take a lot of sleeping pills, and mm-hmm. after a lot of trust has been gained, mm-hmm. you know allow your partner to use your body in an unconscious state, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Would that be the equivalent in this, uh, you know, inebriated state that these girls were talking about in that situation? Yeah, that's a good question. I, mm, ooh, I don't know. Uh, I feel like it's different. I, I think so I, I too. Like I, yeah, I mean, and 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 you, good for you for for sick because there's a lot of dudes probably who would have been like, oh, "Threesome, I don't care." But yeah, you, you're responsible <laughs> and and did the right thing because if it makes you uncomfortable, then don't do it. But right. uh, I don't, I don't know. I feel like inebriation versus sleep. I don't know. Ooh, that's such right. a call. And by um, the way, this I don't think so. Yeah, and this is one of those moments, by the way, where I do believe that there is a god. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, like like so, I'm I'm not trying to make this religious by any means. I'm okay. not gonna. I'm not here to to preach you know, Judaism or anything. Right. But, but what I'm, you know, like moments like this where like the night before I just happened to be wrestling with my roommate and mm-hmm. the night of there happened to be a bunch of sweaty, gross men drinking in the other room, you know, like these situations, like they, it's happened to me multiple times where the circumstances stop me from being impulsive. You know, God did not want you to have a threesome. Right. Right. It was at that point, God just didn't want me to have a threesome, which is, you know, God was being a cock block, but then again, you know, like. 
I was going to say I should add as I'm answering these questions that I am not the sex educator on our team. I am becoming one. I am a writer, so I, uh, I'm i really well educated about sex. But actually, my partner, Jave, I wanted to give a shout out to her, Jave DeBay. That's her, that's her name. Um, that's a really, really cool, cool name. It is a really cool name. Um, she has a YouTube series and she's getting her PhD right now in sex education. So she's going to be like the one who knows the answer. She would be able to probably pop off a really good answer about sleep versus being drunk better than I can. Interesting. That's actually really good for me to know. Um, and what's her name one more time? Jave DeBay. She Jave is millennial sexpert, I believe, is her, her identity online. Got it. She, she has a YouTube series called In Bed with a Millennial. Okay, I love that. So you have Jave on your team, and then who else mm-hmm. is on your team? My partner Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Figaro. He's actually a trailer editor, but when I talked to him about this idea, he he wanted to fund the the prep work for the crowdfund, and his investment has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger until he's started. Um, he's a full blown producer now, and he's going to direct the pilot. He directed our crowdfund video, and so um, yeah, so he is. It's basically our team. It's me and Jave are the hosts. So our we're animate. Both of us are animated, and we're going to play characters named after ourselves. Um, and it's really cool seeing a cartoon version of yourself. And then um, and then uh, he's going to direct it, and so it's basically the three of us doing. Where the, and, and Studio Lucy obviously does the animation. That, that's really important to talk about the animators. They're amazing. Right. Um, yeah. So who, who are these animators? What is Studio Lucy? Studio Lucy is based in Colombia. Okay. And they are so they and they are all women. So we got a bunch of Colombian women doing all our all our uh, animation, which is really cool. Um, and uh, they're awesome. They've done a lot of real really neat. They've done a lot of weird stuff, but the, they've done a lot of more commercial stuff. They've just done nothing, nothing hugely popular in the states nothing anyone would immediately recognize but um they're just really talented and i can't wait to like do this is going to be huge for them and then they're going to be blow up and everybody's going to want to hire them that's really cool um i wanted to ask you what made you choose studio lucy we we did a lot of vetting from a lot of animators. A lot of them were just out of our price range. I mean, who doesn't want to work with Titmouse? <laughs> you know, but uh, Titmouse is a little busy doing critical role stuff, which I'm very excited about. Anyway, um, you know, there were a lot of places on our list. We approached some places. We interviewed a lot of people. And a lot of it was we wanted a place that was diverse. We did not, I was very adamant that we not just go with cishet white dudes everywhere we went, which, you know, made it a bit of a challenge. Um, and then, uh, so if, if a studio was only cishet white dudes, I was just automatically nixing them. Um, and, uh, especially given the nature of this, I, we need diversity here. Um, and uh, some places, they were very nice. They, they wanted to do a project, but they just their idea of kink was a little off. Um, they didn't quite understand what we were trying to do. Um, we came very close with another studio, and then they, we were about to sign them, and then they booked a really big job. And they were like, sorry, we can't do your project. I was like, no. Right. Um, so then we ended up at Studio Lucy. I'm really glad we found them because they're great. They, they've done, they, they immediately understood what we were going for, and as soon as I started seeing the art, uh, I was so happy. They were, they're fantastic. That's really cool. Now question for you, you said something really interesting there. Um, you're talking about the need for diversity in this particular project. Um, is there some sort of mending that is currently happening? Some sort of combination between the kink slash BDSM community and racial justice and racial movements? Hmm. I, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, 
I, I mean, I've only focused on it from my own perspective. You know, kink is for everyone. I think when we see kink represented, particularly BDSM represented, even polyamory represented, it tends to be very white focused. Um, I mean, as far as like, I know we're not here to talk necessarily about polyamory, but when you think about polyamory, like immediately, it's always one white dude and two white girls. That is the first thing everybody, a triad, which is just such a teeny tiny fraction of what polyamory actually is. And I think kink gets that too, where Fifty Shades of Grey, you see the guy in the suit and the little innocent virgin girl, and that's what kink is. Or, or conversely, you see it represented by some gothy white girl with severe bangs um, and her, you know, her skinny, skinny boyfriend, and they're both white. It's it's not like that at all. The kink is a diverse place. I mean, and also not to, not to even talk about um, uh, disability. Uh, there are great kink disability advocates. There are a lot of black women doing the work right now. Um, hmm. Feminista Jones comes to mind. Um, and uh, I think the world is vast, but most people don't necessarily know about it until they start that deep dive. Well said. Well said. And what style of animation is this uh, project? Uh, it's 2D animation. Okay. I mean, it's very expensive. Yeah, yeah, of course. And is is it is it comparable to some sort of animation that maybe uh, viewer listeners have seen before? Oh, oh God, we looked at so many things. Uh, oh, it's so long ago. I'm sorry. It's so long ago that we sent them our references that I don't remember exactly what we looked like. I looked like looked at. I don't remember exactly what we looked at. Right. Um. Because you're you're more so focusing looked- on the writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we did look at a lot of stuff. I think uh, music videos, uh, you know, um, there's a Lady Gaga. No, not Lady Gaga. There's a Sia video that's uh, influential. We looked at a lot of, who's the artist? We looked at a lot of this, less videos, more art. There is this, oh God, I'm so bad at art. I really should have reviewed all these things before I came here. Um, but there's an artist who's famous for drawing like these. We wanted to do a 50s theme look because the 50s was so sexually repressed. Um, that's why it's called Welcome to Kinkyville, and our font is very like Pleasantville, and yeah. you know whatever. And our, even our looks are a little bit modernized fifties um, because uh, because we wanted to sort of reference the fifties in in a modern way. Um, so we looked at a lot of art that was sort of fifties esque, but but futuristic at the same time because a lot of stuff in the fifties was very like, oh, this is what the future is going to look like, you know. Um, uh, all those little ads that were like how to be a good housewife, you know, that was a lot of our influence was that kind of stuff. So I, I don't, I can't really point to any one specific thing. It was more like we had our Pinterest board, we were pulling stuff from all over the internet, and I was just like, go here, go here. Some pinups. We looked at a lot of pinups, um, stuff like that. Nice. Okay. Um, do you know what? There's a pinup model that actually was on this podcast. She did not uh, advertise herself as a pinup model, but Jennifer hmm. Brofer, she was our Christmas special from the last cool. season. I don't know if you would be interested in meeting her, but she might be someone sure. that you might want to meet in the future uh, just for yeah. that aesthetic that she typically goes for. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just a thought that came to mind. If you haven't yeah. checked that episode out, go check out okay. the Christmas special from season two. Great episode. Um, That's awesome. And she even had her own theme song. She had the Christmas theme songs, you know, so we gave her like a little jingle in the background. It was great. Um, That's cool. <laughs> uh, but that is awesome. I'm, I'm really happy to hear about where this project is going. Again, guys, please go check out Welcome to Kinkyville. The uh, the Kickstarter link is in the show notes of this episode. Please give it a check, uh, a looky loo. Um, you can go to welcome to kinkyville.com. Really easy to remember. There we and go. It'll, awesome. It'll hit, hit the Kickstarter. Totally. And on the socials, we're at Kinkyville TV. Yes. What, one more thing I want to ask you What was your introduction to kink? It obviously wasn't Fifty Shades of Grey. No. 
Um, I was newly divorced and very, you know, unsure about who I was. Because, and I think that's the common thing for divorced people is to suddenly be like, oh, I was living the life I thought I was supposed to live, and now I'm free from that life. What can I get into? Um, and I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and we were talking about our likes and stuff, and I said something about how I was worried I was kind of lazy in the bedroom because I like to be told what to do. I don't really like making decisions. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's okay to be submissive. And I was like, what? And then, um, and then I started you know, casually looking at what that meant. And I was like, oh, these people are weird. These weirdos, you know, these people are... And then I joined a couple of Facebook groups and I was like, I'm just researching. I'm just curious. It's just, you know, I might want to write about this someday. Look at this weird bro. And then I joined FetLife. Uh, for those of you who don't know, FetLife is basically a message board for kinksters. Um, and, uh, and by the way, kink incorporates a lot more than BDSM. I want to be very clear about that. We've mostly focused on BDSM, but there's all, there's a whole world of stuff out there that, that are just, I've got a list a mile long of stuff that I'm like, oh, every time somebody brings one up, I'm like, wait, that's kink too? Anyway, um, I didn't know anybody was into that. Like, like sitting on balloons is one of those weird, like not weird. Sorry. I don't want to kink shame. It's not weird. It's not weird. It's different. It's different. It's different. Um, and that's the thing I've been researching, too, is why, what, where do we decide what is and is not king? And I've learned some interesting stuff about the church and about physicians and all. But, um, but like, you know, giving birth to, an- to alien eggs is one I just recently learned about. I started looking all these things up and, and looking at FetLife and, uh, and going, oh, whoa, you know, what I did and did not like. And I just started kind of going, oh, those are interesting things. And then when you go on FetLife, especially if you're a woman, especially if you are a sub, which I identify as a sub, although lately I've done some topping, which is fun. Um, but uh, you get a lot of gross dudes in your mentions. And that was my early exposure to that. And then I got one message from one dude who did not seem gross. And I went out with him and then we ended up having a really nice scene. And now he's 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 Gabriel. He's my partner and he's working on this with me. And he introduced me to BDSM. I've had other partners since then. Um, but he was ideal for that. I, and that's another reason I feel equipped to talk about this to some degree is that, um, he was a really good example of what a dom should be and still is. Uh, and I feel very lucky partly because I just overvetted. I did not trust men when I came out of my divorce. And so I was, most of them, I was just like, nope, nope, nope. Um, I didn't experience sub frenzy like a lot of women do or a lot. No, sorry. A lot of subs. I got to stop using gendered language. Um, and, uh, uh, that was sort of, I, I had a great first scene. There was some rope, um, and I was immediately hooked and, um, and that's when I was like, okay, I guess this is a thing I like. And it, and it made, it made me think a lot about why we're so afraid to like these things. Like, why did it take me so long to just go, oh, that's a thing I'm into. It was all just like, oh, I don't know. I can't be into that. Why? You know, we, we really, as a society, we need to say to people like, it's, there were so many times I had all these fantasies when I was married or even before that, that are kinky and I didn't, and I just thought, you know, or, or all the times, like in my head, I would have a fantasy where some guy was like, Oh, you're such a slut. You're such a whore. And I'd be like, I'd come out of it and be like, Oh God, I'm, I'm a bad feminist. You know, I'm a terrible feminist in my fantasy. A dude just called me a whore. And it's like, that has absolutely nothing to do with feminism. You are not a bad feminist. If you like being called a whore in the bedroom, it's, or, or even if you like being slapped or even if you like, you know, kneeling, it, it's not about that. And I think that took me way too long to realize. And that's sort of what's motivated me here is I want, I like seeing other people be like, oh, so it's, it's okay to do these. It's okay to like these things. Yes, it is. As long as it's between consenting adults and you are enjoying it, it is okay. 
isn't the information age just such a powerful tool for really opening is. our minds to these kind of beautiful possibilities and these nuanced realities that we wouldn't accept in the past? I think that's really an incredible thing. And kink is a part of that. Kink is a beautiful consequence mm-hmm. from the age mm-hmm. of information. Um, Google it. Whatever think, you're into, yeah. somebody else is probably also into it. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, check, listen to that song, Welcome to the Internet by Bo Burnham. And that's exactly, I think, one of the themes. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that song? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. It's, it's, it's like good. like the whole world of possibilities is, yeah. is explained. I mean, and, and be open to your part. If you don't want to do this something, don't do it, you know. But also don't immediately decide you don't want to do it. I mean, I've had a partner be like, tell me that he wanted me to pee on him so we got in the bathtub and i peed on him not for me but it also wasn't you know i had to pee anyway so So. he enjoyed it good for you all right yeah did that Um, two birds with one stone perfect you know yeah and sometimes there have been times when, like i said recently i've done topping and i was a dyed in the wool sub i was not interested in topping at all and it's still not my preference but i topped the other night and i was like oh hey pegging is fun i'm gonna try this again and you know you never know and it's just because my partner was i have more than one i don't want to out anyone's kink but um my partner was like uh um because they haven't given me permission i should clarify um but my partner was just like asking me if I would do this. And I was just like, you know, I've never done it. Let's try it. Let's go for it. And and then we did it. And now I want to do it again. And this is something I always told myself I would never do. So I feel like, you know, if your partner just throws something at you, you know, if it's repu- if it's repulsive to you, don't do it. You, do- you should never feel obligated to do it. But, you know, give it a shot if you think you might like it. You- if, as long as there's consent, there's a discussion to be had beforehand. And there should always be a discussion had beforehand. Do it. Also use a lot of lube if you're pegging. I think that's the moral of the story is trust, communication, open-mindedness. Well, Emily, we have already pitched how people can donate to the crowdfunding campaign, which is in the show notes of the show. But how can people get in contact with you should they want to collaborate? Ooh, I am on the Twitters a lot uh, at the Emily Blake because pretentious. Um, the Emily Blake on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram at the color witch, but that's mostly, I do fashion design on the side. Um, I contain multitudes and that's mostly a fashion design thing. I, I don't do a lot of, uh, kink related stuff on there. Um, yeah, mostly Twitter. I should just stick with that. Mostly Twitter. The Emily Blake. That's it. All that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode. Yeah. And my DMs are open until I have a reason to close them, which as soon as our crowdfund launches, I'm bracing myself because I know the kind of shit I'm about to get hit with. But for now, my DMs are open. And and I and what's great is I have had people message me, men usually, which is interesting. I have had people message me and say, uh, hey, so I, I'm 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 thinking about getting into this thing. Is this okay? Like, how do? Where do you go? What do? What do I look up? Like, where do I start? And I'm so happy when they do that because then I'm just like, oh, okay. Let me tell you all the things I know about this, and then I can send them off to the right places. And it makes me, it makes me very happy. So I like when people approach me and ask that question, as long as they're not gross. I have also had some grossness, but so far not too bad. I'm really proud of you for putting yourself out there and being very brave. Also, you know, I knew at some point I wanted you on the podcast, but I originally thought that having you on the show was going to be more so centered towards your cosplay and yeah. the work that you've done in the fashion world. So shout out to shout out to the work that you do in cosplay as well. It's also very impressive and you're doing some very cool stuff there. And thank you. I was 
just, I'm not entirely sure what date this is going to drop, but I was just in uh, the Her Universe fashion show. Um, so that was pretty fucking exciting. That is exciting. I don't, I don't know if I won yet. Okay. Well, fingers crossed for you. I'm really excited for you. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure if I want to win because then I can't compete next year when it's going to be actually at Comic-Con. Mm. And I, so I wouldn't get to walk the runway. But well, I don't know. The prize is pretty good, too. So Okay. We'll Sounds good. Sounds good. So, Emily, before this show ends, I have a question that I ask everybody on this podcast. Okay. Everybody on this podcast. What will you be famous for? Um, hopefully this show. Welcome to Kinkyville. That's the objective. We'll do our little animated show and people will be like, oh my God, I love kink. And then it'll get, and then we'll be invited to speak it. I say we because me and Jave, she's, she's going to be my ride or die on this. Um, uh, we'll be invited to speak at conferences and we'll be on red carpets and, you know, but because I'm animated, I can still be anonymous when I walk along the streets. So that's pretty cool. Emily Blake, everyone. Thank you so much for being on the show. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This podcast releases bi-weekly on Fridays. To attend one of our networking events, visit the registration link in the show notes or go to www.mrthrive.com. Would you like to be a guest on our show? Email chaz at mrthrive.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.